0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: My first thought was, let's start today's show and and podcast with the research, with the numbers. And then I said, you know what, honestly, I have lost my patience with anybody who needs to ask for that. As business leaders, we should be well past that. We should be enlightened. And as we all should know, our community, our state, our country, our world, it's diverse. It's global, and if you're not there, don't count on being successful in the longer term. Quite frankly, don't even count on being there as a business, need I say more. So that said, if you don't know, you're you're convinced, you know you need to, but if you don't know how to take that next step in diversifying your organization or your business strategy, then find someone who can guide you. And guess what? You're gonna meet a couple of those people today. Our discussion today is gonna focus on the very fact that successful leaders and organizations will build diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging into their cultures, into their environment, into their DNA, and into their business strategies, both internally within the organization and externally as they engage and interface with their customers and clients. And our esteemed group of leaders today will share their thought leadership and stories as to how they did so and how you can too. I'm Sarah Alter, the host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast and proudly the CEO and president of Next Up. And I am joined by these three incredible guests. We have Pam Kermish. Chief Customer Growth Officer of Polaris Industries, Chris Osner Hackett, Head of Integrated Marketing for Sanofi, and Sherman Wright, Managing Partner for 1035. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Good morning. Good morning. morning. Happy to be Uh, here.
1: Yes. I know. Me too. (laughs) Me too. All righty. So Sherman, let's kick it off with you, Um please share with us what, you know, why are you here this morning other than you just so politely agreed to join us all. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal and professional journey.
2: Thank you, and it's a great pleasure to be here with my esteemed colleagues. Uh, as you introduced me, Sherman Wright, managing partner and founder, co-founder of 1035. We're a marketing agency based in Chicago. Our calling card is transforming brands through culture. Um, our organization was built on DEI, I'm proud to say our organization is 80% people of color, uh, 70% women, 20% self-identified LGBTQIA+, our leadership team is, is 90% women, and I learned early on that, you know, uh, women bring a level of value uh, to an organization and diversity in general for, for, for growth and success. Um, we clearly
1: you know, do, <laughs> right, Pam? Yeah, Yeah, that's
2: hilarious. I didn't yeah, we realize the 90%.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, our organization, I said, we wanted to build a company that reflects the world in which we serve in the communities which we come from. Um, and so with that as our calling card, you know, we really look to align ourselves with brands that are mission-driven. You know, when we talk about shareholder value, yes, it's those investors in the business, but more importantly, it's the people that really uh you know uh, psychologically and emotionally really engage with products and we know that there is a connection and it goes beyond the quality of that product It's really of the organization that's bringing that product to the marketplace so my goal has always been to be a champion of dei uh, through the lens of marketing and advertising but ensuring that we align ourselves with mission-driven organizations that really practice what they preach. So I'm here today because I think it's a very important conversation to be had. We've all known in the last uh, couple of years that that metric in that bar is yeah. becoming more and more important, if not the most important, for brands to succeed today. So I, I, I hope to be a champion for that, for our brand partners to really bring thoughtful insight, uh, incredible talent, passion, empathy, and professionalism to really transform those brands that we work with through the lens of culture, which is really diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a a fundamental to the foundation, right? Absolutely. Um, so Chris,
3: welcome. Yes, good morning. Glad to be here.
1: We we are glad you are here. Share, share your personal and professional journey and what brought you here?
3: Well, this is a topic near and dear to me. Um, you know, I, throughout my career, Look at culture and look at a company's diversity, equity, and inclusion policies before I even consider employment. And you know, as a member of the LGBT, LGBT plus community, it's it's extremely important to me. We've all worked throughout our careers in cultures that embrace D E and I, and in other cultures that it's not necessarily a priority. You know, as a representative of Sanofi Consumer Healthcare, I'm proud to say that we have a really top-down focus on DE&I, and that is, you know, our goal, reflecting the diversity of the communities and the consumers that we serve within consumer health care, and, um, and it starts at the top, and it starts with making sure that we're reflecting DE&I in our leadership, in our leadership KPIs, in um, representative employee resource groups across the diverse um, you know communities, as well as engaging with our diverse commun- um, groups of consumers, and we have, and I'll talk a little bit today about some of our DEI marketing principles that we've put into place, and some of the tools and KPIs that we've established to make sure that we're holding ourselves accountable for delivering um, diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: Yeah. It, and Chris, share a couple of the Sanofi brands. That, that so I, right I
3: thank you. I should say yeah. that specific yeah. to the consumer healthcare portfolio that I happen to reside within um, brands such as Gold Bond, Allegra, Nasacort, Zizol, Dolcalax, um, Who am I forgetting? Icy Hot, Asper Cream. So a lot of brands that many consumers would be familiar with, um, just maybe less familiar with the parent company of Sanofi. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Yeah. As, as an allergy sufferer, thank you for all. (laughs) You're (laughs) Um, welcome. Pam, good morning and welcome.
4: Good morning. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Of course. So, so I'm Pam Kermish. My role is chief customer growth officer at Polaris. Most people probably haven't heard of Polaris unless you're a power sports enthusiast, but, um, we're an $8 billion company, and the portfolio is Power Sports. So think off-road vehicles like our sportsman side, our Sportsman ATVs or our Ranger or Razor side-by-side uh, UTVs that you may have seen riding in the desert dunes or on the trails, depending on where you live. We have Indian Motorcycle. We have Polaris Slingshot, which is a three-wheeled roadster. Um, we have boats, Bennington and Godfrey pontoons and hurricane deck boats. Um, But what I will tell you is I spent the first almost 19 years of my career in marketing in packaged goods and decided at one point, if I'm going to do something, I'm ready for something different and challenging. I'm not going to do different, but same. I'm going to do different, but different. So I chose this amazing company based in Minnesota um, that manufactures in the United States and is a power sports company. And as a female, a lot of people said to me, isn't that a male-dominated industry? Isn't it a male-dominated category? And I will tell you, it was the culture of the company that drew me there that just said, this is a place I want to work. Male, female, doesn't matter. This culture is one that I am very much drawn to and I want to be part of it. And frankly, um, the company has been on a great growth trajectory, but um, recognizes the opportunity that new customers and different types of customers, we'll talk about this, you know, I'm sure more later, but um was a big opportunity. And so that's a big piece of my role is expanding our footprint, expanding the brand, expanding the category to more people, which certainly includes more women, more um, younger customers, more multicultural customers. And so it's, it's really exciting to find uh, a way in an industry that maybe historically hadn't been as strongly represented uh, to find new opportunity with more people.
1: All right. So Sherman, would love for you as as our thought leader here to set the stage, you know, what needs to be in place from leadership to to make DEIB happen within a given organization, both internally and externally?
2: You know, it all starts with the leadership and it starts with self-awareness. You know, I, I think yeah. um, a lot of organizations understand that based on their industry, based on market pressures, this is something that is necessary um, to implement within the organization. But it really starts with leadership owning it, with a set of accountability, yeah. Yeah. Um, not only with themselves, but within their their supporting team and making sure it's a thread through the organization. You know, DE and I, I always say one of the first missteps Uh, organization does is they hand it off to HR and say, oh, this is about ERG groups. This is about, you know, this is gonna be a pillar of our organization and we talked about it really needs to be a thread. It needs to touch every aspect of the organization. It needs to be a lens that every leader in that organization, every thought needs to understand what does DEI within ourselves? What is our mission? What is our vision? Where are we in the process? I understand that a lot of companies are in different places on their journey. And it really makes sure that everybody is at the same place. You know, you have individuals that may be further along. A lot of times DEI, specifically with women or people of color or different um, um, groups that identify uh, outside of the, the norm or, or the masses, they put the ownership in there, saying, okay, we want to do this women's group. So we're going to get all the women together. We're going to give them the responsibilities, come up with a plan, come up with the idea. We're going to be limited budget. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're catering to you. Where it really needs to start with the CEO or the mm-hmm. leadership team, even the board. You know, going beyond that, you know, the board has so much influence on an organization. When you start looking at your board members, who you're selecting, how decisions are being made, um, it all starts at the top. It needs to be mandated, but the actions need to be seen in leadership that they're embodying what they're, you know, practicing what they're preaching, yeah. and then those others in the organization will follow. So, I say it starts at the top with a sense of accountability. Uh, And some levels of, I wouldn't necessarily consequences, but desired outcomes that impact what's being measured. I always say what's being measured matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this should matter in compensation in promotion and everything that people strive for in their personal career.
1: Now, now you and Pam partnered. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so yeah.
1: I'd love to I'd love to have you both share, you know, all about your partnership, your successful partnership <laughs> that pr- like clearly drove growth, <laughs> profitable growth. The
4: cold call that I made a few years ago to Sherman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so please hear the story. Well so <laughs> really what started out and and I mean I'm I'm nodding my hair, head here. Everyone can't see that, but um, with a lot of the things Sherman was saying you know, at the end of the day for us, you know, I mentioned the fact that here we are a power sports company. If you think about the historical power sports traditional company, uh, customer, so think of a Harley Davidson motorcycle rider. Um, there are a lot of opportunities to expand to more people and our company recognized that. And frankly, our CEO recognized that and said, this is important. If we want to grow, we can grow without expanding, but we want to grow aggressively. We are a growth company. We gotta find more people. We gotta introduce ourselves to more people, but we have no idea how we're gonna do that. So come on in and figure that out. And so at the end of the day, we honestly looked at our current owner base and looked at the diversity that we already did have and figured out the the most important thing was figuring out who were the, the best prospects. So for each business, it wasn't just going and saying, we're gonna get everybody for every business. Right. For each business, which were the people that were most likely to tip in basis who we already had organically. And so we identified different audiences that we may go after. And frankly, we knew we needed help. And so we reached out. I made a cold call to Sherman um, from 1035. I actually had a colleague who had worked with his agency in a former life and said, they are phenomenal. They are amazing at what they do. And it was a bit of humility to say, listen, Sherman, we, we know our business. We know our category. We know why our current customers love these products, but there's a lot we don't know. And we know we need help to understand the attitudes, beliefs, you know, values of these of these different audiences, especially as it relates to our category, can you help us? And then they came in to help us.
1: So we're gonna have the 1035 link on our podcast. So for those who are listening, who've already realized they need to be partnering with 1035, fear not, we'll connect you.
4: Yeah, no, they're um, phenomenal.
1: It, it it and it's and I and I don't want to say this in a way that would ever disrespect or undermine what you're doing, but it's like or what you've done or or continue to do, but it's marketing 101, right? Of course it's it is.
4: Strategy 101. So why don't leaders just know to do this? Right. I, I think like, lack of familiarity, right? I mean, if you don't, if you don't know an audience and you don't know what drives them, you typically do one of two things as a marketer. You either do what you do with your current audience. Right. To them, and and you just miss some marks, and that's not. And work. you know, it, yeah. it is all about yeah. understanding your customer, and th- this is marketing one on one. It is understanding your customer, whoever that customer is, but oftentimes, it's it's not only listening to what they say. It's you know really going deep with, you know, qualitative learning and ethnography, and and listening and talking to them and watching them with product to understand what they do, to understand what are some of those nuances that could really open up growth that maybe you had never thought of that actually could very much appeal to your existing base as well. You know, in the, in the old world, it had to be, you had to market to everyone the same, right? You had to do a print ad or a, a national TV campaign to everyone. But now in today's world with the opportunities to target and use marketing analytics, yeah, you can reach different people differently, which means if you think you're going to say the same thing to all of them, you're, you're wasting money, which none of us, no marketer likes to waste money because there's never enough. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And, and it's, and it's humbly, you said it, Pam, it's humbly acknowledging like, Hey, yeah, I don't know this. So I got to find someone who does Chris at Sanofi, I I have to imagine you've had tremendous success (laughs) in adopting the same approach, like diversifying.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, you yeah. can't see me, but I'm, I'm nodding my head to pretty much everything yeah. that Sherman and Pam have said. I wanna build on something Pam just said. I think it's it's this notion of when we talk <clears throat> diversity, equity and inclusion, understanding who is showing up, who is that consumer group and diversity defined through many lenses, whether that's age or aging, or we talked about LGBT, we talk about gender. so understanding that and understanding how we're representing them in the work that we're putting out. You know, Pam talked about, we have the ability today to customize content to many different unique audiences, but I think we need to make sure that we understand how we're showing up because I think sometimes brands could run the risk of unconscious bias or stereotypes. And Mm -hmm. that's the last thing you want to do if you're trying to Authentically represent a diverse community is to put something in the marketplace that's not authentic or is stereotyping, and so I, you know, I think it's um, educating our marketers, and and we like to say, you know, we've we've got some principles in place, but it starts with the brief. It starts with the brief. It starts with who we're hiring as agencies. It starts with who's behind the camera to really make sure that we're showing up in an authentic manner from a diversity and inclusion standpoint in anything that we produce creatively.
1: And and given, you know, thankfully, right, but painfully over the past two years, so many more people have become enlightened, right? With all that unfolded, you know, with with racial tragedy. Sherman, are you seeing like a, a huge wave now of like business leaders and organizations that are finally figuring it out? Like, you know, you, you have to be, you know, you know, tailoring and, and diversifying, you know, how you bring your product or service to life.
2: I, I will say that I see a lot of conversations, um, some more active than others, but it is um, a cultural topic right now. You know, somebody once shared with me um, the great, uh, the, the most important ingredient of greatness is change and culture drives change. You know, when you when you think about being great, it really causes you and challenges you to change everything that you do on a daily basis. And so what we saw over the, and what we've seen over the last decade culturally is changed. And we define culture. Culture is another one of those words that people use a lot, and it means many different things, to different yeah, people. Use. Yeah, absolutely. But as marketers uh, and, and people in the media industry, you know, we engage with our consumers through some form, form of media on, on a general basis, we see culture as the most important medium where brands identify, act, and embrace with their targeted audiences um, based on shared value. It's a value proposition. Culture is one of uh, like value. And so when you think of an organization and you start with your mission and vision statement, usually associated with that, or what are the company values? Those values need to transform into the people. They need to transform into the product or the services coming out. But they need to be aligned with the value. You know, I always say brands live in four areas. There's the functional basis. So, does the product work? There's the social basis. So, in the, the likes of Solaris, it's a very social oriented company. Their product brings people together. Then there is the um, personal aspect. You know, I'm a Jordan fan, so I like that shoe of how it makes me feel. I'm not saying it's a better product than AF, it's a functional product.
0: Absolutely. There's a social part to it. Yeah.
2: But then there's the spiritual element. And that spiritual element is what is the soul of your brand? And we've seen many brands that have great products, great personal relationships, create great social value. There's something behind the morality comes into play or certain things. And I think this is what we're seeing based on the unfortunate events of George Floyd, what we've seen with our women in the marketplace over the past few years, the um, what we saw with Um, our Asian Pacific Islander Americans, what we continuously see in the LGBTQIA community. It has nothing to do with the product. It has nothing to do with the personal relations people have with brands. It has nothing to do with the social aspects, with that spiritual aspect. And I feel like it's a head and heart decision and brands were so caught up on their head. Now what we're coming to see is the heart. And those those combined make a great plan. And I think people are more heart conscious than head conscious, which doesn't take away from the business aspect. So this is not about charity. This is not about mm-hmm. empathy per se. Mm-hmm. It's about doing the right thing and creating shareholder value from the boardroom, from investors, but to those consumers who basically keep your brands alive on a daily basis.
1: And it's and it's the, you know, to your point, it's the actions you take as a brand. Like there are definitely brands that me and my family, we won't consume. I won't, I won't yeah. name them. <clears throat> You know, <laughs> and then there are brands where I'm like all over it because they are demonstrating, right, that they they are diverse and and inclusive and and, and you know see all customers belonging. So so Chris, I, I know our partnership together, you know, next up and and Sanofi, um, you had graciously um, you know, uh, got Mary J. Blige to speak at one of our conferences and talk a little bit about you know her role in partnership with you.
3: Well, her role is in partnership um, with the Gold Bond business. And if you think about Gold Bond and their effort around champion skin, champion all skin um, across a broad um, portfolio of consumers. And so their partnership with Mary J. Blige was specific to their effort to bring attention to um, Hollywood and um, the the lack of... Um, stunt women um, that were persons of color. And so it brought, it was it was really an attempt to bring awareness around that. I, I, I candidly will admit that I wasn't as close to that as of course the gold bond um, portfolio lead and brand team, but it was an effort, one of a continuation of efforts to, you know, bring diversity and inclusion to our marketing efforts for a brand that, that, again, represents and serves a very diverse set of consumers. And when you think about championing your skin, like, which is Gold Bond's brand purpose, it is championing all skin, regardless of the age, regardless of the, the color, the ethnicity. So, it, you know, it was an important effort to bring awareness, um, to that very specific, um, calls, if you will i you know i agree with everything that sherman said i think you know we all know that over two-thirds of consumers expect the brands and these companies to have kind of this level of social responsibility um as, as sherman was saying i think the key um is having kpis in place like it's one thing to say it it's another thing to measure your leadership in terms of am i as a leader creating a culture of an inclusion in um, um and nurturing a a culture of inclusion and diversity. Um, You know, it's KPIs as part of my leadership assessment. Um, It is um, something that we're building into our copy effectiveness testing. Um, We are leveraging our employee resource groups as a community to do copy testing. So it's really you've got to have it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to put the KPIs in place um, in terms of how are we measuring success and holding ourselves accountable to deliver DE&I.
4: Yeah. And I add one thing to just what, you know, when you were talking about culture and how to integrate that, you know, I think about it by expanding our view to more types of customers. For example, our African-American and our Hispanic customers, just style plays a much bigger role in their hierarchy of making decisions. And, and it's not like our core customers don't care about style, of course they do, right. but they may focus first on ride and handling and the performance and things like storage. And so if you think about it, just learning, you know, a little bit more about what some of these other customers care about, it's caused us to amp up our style, it's caused up to showcase more of that. And honestly, we've seen more strength there coming from our female customers responding to that. Mm-hmm. Our core customers have actually responded better. So just talking about how culture changes because of different types of events and different types of people, it can actually positively affect your business and your marketing efforts in ways you may not have expected, um, because you kind of open your eyes a little bit to a potentially a different point of view.
1: And I, and I think Pam, you had shared too when we were preparing for the show in another conversation that it didn't it didn't force you to fundamentally redesign, you know, but but it more to look at the accessories. Right. Yes. And how, you know, like a, I remember you're sharing it. I'm a female and I'm a
4: mom, <laughs> you know, right. And, you know, when so, we talk about our females, you know, yeah. honestly, they're the planners. They're the ones who are thinking about the whole group and what do all the things we need to bring. And so they would say, gosh, I wish it could have this. I wish it could have that. And our team was thinking that's not even a different vehicle. That's accessories that we offer that they don't even know about that. We don't, we haven't talked to her about. And so it just, it opens your mind a little bit to say, it doesn't mean we have to recreate and start and get different vehicles. It means we just need to think about our, what we can offer and how we talk about it.
1: Yeah, and and as you know, it, it, and forgive me, someone said earlier. I think probably all three of you echoed it. We're now in a place as as businesses where it, it, it's expected that you tailor. You know, the technology's there to enable yes. it. What, whether it's marketing or whether it's manufacturing you have to be able to, to tailor. Um, we are gonna take a quick commercial break. I wanna thank everybody who's been listening in so far this morning to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can always check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our podcasts. So go grab another cup of coffee or tea and we'll be back.
0: For over 20 years, NextUp has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and And in the next, members of NextUp gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI&B and leadership. Join NextUp today visit nextupisnow.org membership to learn more about becoming a member that's nextupisnow.org membership
2: our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives but the lives of everyone around us
4: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome
1: back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by the incredible Pam Kermish, Chief Customer Growth Officer of Polaris Industries, Chris Osner Hackett, Head of Integrated Marketing for Sanafi, and Sherman Wright, Managing Partner and Founder, Co-Founder of 1035. And in today's discussion, we are talking about how do you build diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging into your brand or service that you provide as a business organization. So So Sherman, let's let's tee up this second half. Um, it, it you know want to make sure that everybody who's ever listening walks away with great advice and, and actions and steps that they can take. Um, so share with our audience those two or three things that they should be thinking about. you know, if they haven't been diversifying, okay, here's where you start. And if they are, um, how can they take it to that next level?
2: Sure. And you know, as I shared earlier, you know, it starts with the leadership and the vision of the organization leader and leadership. So first and foremost, you know, understand and know where you are in your journey. You know, mm-hmm. know where you are and where you're trying to get to. Um, everybody knows that there needs to be a north star, um, just like with any other strategic imperative of organization. And we've all heard this term before. You know your smart objectives. If this is an objective of the organization, is it strategic? Is it measurable? Is it actionable? Is it realistic? And is it time worthy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where the accountability comes in. And then most importantly, when you outline your strategy, you know make sure it's relevant to everyone. People come to work for a purpose, and they want to know how it affects them personally. Why is this important to me? Uh, it needs to be personalized, and not necessarily from it's a a morality value or or it's because it's the right thing to do, but how will it help the organization receive its overall business objectives? How will will it help those team members become better members of those teams and what's their role in this journey? And I always say, tell your diversity story. People remember stories, not stats. So make sure you have a clear and concise story that resonates and is relevant internally as well as externally.
1: Yeah it and and particularly now right in this period of like great enlightenment and you know everyone's resetting their expectations the great resignation it's like you know yes we have to pay our bills but there has to be meaning right and what we do and so you know as a leader in a company like you've said it's like really continually relating it back to that north star to that mission and how you're serving others i love that um pam
4: your well, Polaris thoughts? is the North Star, so that's a good segue. No, um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> um, you know, my when I think about it, I do think for a lot of organizations, it's important to understand what is that business value, and and because for a lot of people who are maybe a little bit more, you know, linear, um, see things, see the world in black and white a little bit more. Having a real business case can really bring a ton of people along that otherwise may have been more difficult. But one of the challenges, you can't boil the ocean. And so you have to figure out where where can you start and what are the phases you're going to get to? I mean, I have a very aggressive roadmap, but maybe not everyone in the company is on my exact timeline and I need stakeholders to buy in. I can't just move the mountain myself and my, my people on my team. And so you think about it and say, where are the areas of focus? Where are we going to start? What are those key metrics that demonstrate progress? Because also, I do think for a lot of people, when they see progress, that is incredibly motivating and meaningful. When we started, I had a lot of people, friends at work, colleagues who would say, I'm really excited about this, but do you really think we can do this? You know, Do we really think we can bring in all these different types of customers? And being able to come back later and say, here's the progress we've made it gets everyone more excited and more willing to help. And suddenly you have all these people who wanna come in and help and be part of the solution. So I think that's a part of it is focus and then making sure that you are demonstrating that progress, but also understanding, you know, not everyone in the company may be in the same exact place in the same level of readiness. Mm-hmm. And we always like to say, we're gonna focus most of our efforts where the people are ready. And we're going to make the most progress because you've got partners there that are willing and able and doing it. And those who are not quite as ready, we'll try to move them to whatever their next best step is. But maybe we don't have as quite the same expectations as those that are right there in the boat with us and ready to roll. And the final thing I would say is with these types of efforts, authenticity and commitment is really important. And that sounds trite. Everyone probably is sitting here saying, well, duh. But (laughs) it's, it's, it's more than that because it's really easy to say, yeah, we're committed. Yes, we're going to do that. Yeah. But when budgets get tight, the first things to go are those that maybe have the longer term ROI. We all know in business, you know, sometimes you have to make difficult choices with budgets. That's not fun. And so you tend to look at the short-term things to preserve and, and that's good business for your, for your shareholders. However, With this type of thing the damage that can be done by saying we're in we're out we're in we're out we're kind of half Mm -hmm. in we're not we're sort of in we're saying we're in but our actions are not our as my old boss would say our your say do ratio is not matching up there (laughs) and so i do think the are the say do if you say you're gonna do it are you gonna do do it okay i love that love that right but it has to match if you you make a lot of promises i see companies all the time making all these promises and then, you you know, you look back and how are you doing on that? Well, you know, we had a different leader or, you know, priorities changed or, you know, we didn't quite get the funding we thought we were going to get. A lot of more ironclad that if you're committing to those, those are locked in the safe and are not touchable. And you can decide, you know, in some ways we've decided it's better to grow over time rather than to come in in this massive, big Spend and then right. have to pull back later and so you, you you do it in an authentic way that feels genuine to your company and don't look around so much at what everyone else is doing and compare yourselves and, and feel like you have to be where everyone else is you got to do it authentically because the success does come when people buy into it' you're, you're, you're in you're committed you're authentic and the external world can see through yeah. authenticity or you know fake.
1: Well, and and I have to imagine, so like in your partnership with Sherman, um, you know, I'm former marketer, you know, Mm -hmm. always a marketer, right? Um, Know thy customer for they are not you, right? So I have to imagine when you went to your team and said, you know, okay, in the spirit of know thy customer for they are not you, they're like, white males, right? And Pam, are you crazy? (laughs) You're saying we're going to go after these communities, you know? Sherman and Pam, talk a little bit about the the research that you had to do, right? Because it, it's like you had to hear it straight from
4: your your new potential prospect community. Yeah, we actually we, right? we actually asked it's- Sherman's team to take a take a independent view, so it wasn't as we call it polarized. Um, it wasn't <laughs> polarized. You know, Sherman, asking you guys to to take a look at the customer audiences for our categories. So not just all Hispanics, all women, right. But let's look at the customers for our categories and come back to us and tell us what you hear, what you see, what you learn, and what are your perceptions of where we can go and where we should not go and and where are your, you know, it's unbiased perspective on where we can play. And in many cases, they gave us latitude in, in playing in places that we might have been more uncomfortable and they really challenged and said, you can authentically play here and here's why. And, right. you know, and other times we might push back and say, our business teams aren't quite ready for XYZ. You know, what is a what is an earlier step we can take? And they adapted to us. I mean, that's that's why you have a partner. And it's also that one of the key reasons that we needed their help on that understanding was I did not want to be one of those examples in ad age of the brands that botched it. Right. And and I can think of very, very, very big brands where I know how those approvals go through with those companies. And I know all the layers that approved things. And I'm looking at the work going, are you insane? You let that out the door. I, I don't want to be that case study. And so part of it is, you know, the proactive help us understand these customers. And then the other part is, you know, keep me out of out of that case study, please. So, yes, Sherman, what what would you say?
2: And and I would say this, and and to Pam's credit, um, just giving us the leeway, but surprisingly, they had the customers. The customers Mm -hmm. were already there. They just weren't talking to them. So the the old adage is, you build it, they will come. The Razor Ranger brand from a uh, a Latinx, there was a huge concentration. The Slingshot brand for Mm African-Americans, especially African-American women, they were there. Yes. You no, know, Polaris was doing things with influencers and people of color, but they weren't necessarily leveraging. Sometimes, like I said, you got to just tell your story. Um, and so for us, it wasn't mm-hmm. a, you know, quite honestly, as a marketer, they made our job really easy because they had a great product and yeah. people were, they were buying into the product, but you just weren't acknowledging them and you weren't talking to them. So again, mm-hmm. this was about brand storytelling. They needed to tell a b- better story because to her point, Specifically, consumers, as we think about brands, we get so much into the product attributes, tell your story, why this works for you based on your values, based on your insight. Hey, this is a stylish vehicle that performs versus hey, this is a performance-based vehicle with all these, you know, amazing things, because people still wanted performance, people still wanted quality, but they 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 really amplified my need for style, my need for sociability, my need for. Understanding, saying it in my preferred language, language of choice, giving me the option to either have English or uh, Spanish-driven messaging. Um, Going to the dealers and saying, hey, as these customers come in, understand the opportunity with this audience. Don't necessarily judge the book by its cover. If you, and I I give this story of, um, you know, I was doing research for Slingshot and this gentleman pulled up at a high-end restaurant in Chicago, this most amazing vehicle. And he pulled up and I'm, I'm your, on your street reporter. And I walked to him and I said, sir, excuse me, can I talk to you about your vehicle? He was like, this is her. So me, my man eyes and hat on thinking that this is the guy's vehicle. Here you have the souped up slingshot and this stylish, <laughs> beautiful couple. And I talked to the woman and she said, oh, I bought this um, paid cash. And she uh, was saying because the style matched one of my favorite purses, and me and my girlfriend like to ride <laughs> up and down Lakeshore Drive and have fun for girls' night out. We take my slingshot, and so it. to me, even the guy behind the scenes doing all the research, who you know, so into it, my own bias again as an advertiser, I had to recheck myself. And here it is. And so I just say that because we all have our own opinions. We all have our own bias. And I think going back to Pam's story, we just listened, we asked questions, and we shared with the brand team, and they responded. And it was just as simple as that. I wish I could tell you we went through this in-depth research, and we did all these. We just listened (laughs) to people. We asked the right questions, and we told them, hey, this is what your customers are telling us. Statistically, you know they're there. You're just not talking to them. And that was where it really drove a lot of Uh, with our relationship with Polaris.
4: And by the way, we had a, we participate in an annual um, African-American motorcycle conference every year. And it's, these are clubs, motorcycle clubs. And this is the president, the vice president, the treasurer, they come every year for for learning. And this year we gave away an Indian motorcycle leather jacket and this woman won the, the leather jacket. And she went out and bought an Indian motorcycle to match her jacket. So I'm thinking there is some sort of thing with women wanting to match their accessories cuz now that's two examples.
3: You have a, <laughs> have a new insight.
4: I
1: know. Exactly. Oh my gosh. All right. So so Chris, talk to us, you know, what are your tips and advice here? And I know you referenced um ERGs or BRCs mm-hmm. as a source, right? You know, earlier. It, we don't rely on them, right? You know, but we use them. You know? I think they're under leveraged.
3: I think they're under yeah. leveraged, Sarah. I think that as we think about holding ourselves accountable to make sure that we're building in DE and I, we always say, we let's build it into the brief up mm-hmm. front instead mm-hmm. of bolting it on at the end. And as I think about it, as I think about our principles to keep us honest and accountable, there are really three key partnerships and elements to that. So we do partner with um, AIM, the Alliance for Multicultural Marketing. We do partner with and with them, we're looking at and holding ourselves accountable for delivering culturally relevant scores. They have the SIM analysis, which is the cultural insights impact measure. We're looking at that measure across all of our brands. We're working and partnering with Ipsos on not only our copy effectiveness, but also brand love. And you know, just in, as a part of brand love, are we truly showing up and being seen as an authentic partner to our diverse set of consumers? And then the third leg, which is relatively new and, and honestly just getting off the ground. And, and it's all about how do we leverage our vast employee resource group? So here we have... Yeah. you know thousands of employees within our own building and so we've worked with Ipsos to create an online community panel whereby all of the work that we're producing creatively is also put in front of our ERG panel as a as a second gut check to are we showing up authentic? Are we representing the community in an unstereotypical fashion? And um, and so it's really again, Pam said it. We've all said it. It's setting the KPIs to hold ourselves accountable. You know, DE and I truly believe it's either in the company's DNA or it's not. I mean, there are a lot of companies that can talk about it, but unless it's from the top down, as Sherman said and reflected in our leadership and reflected in kind of our employees being able to show up as their true selves to work and or um, making sure that we're authentic in how we're interacting with our consumer um, consumers. And so I think that it's one thing to say it, but you've got to have the right KPIs in place to track it. And, um, and, you know, so the employee resource group, I say it kind of like the third leg of that stool where in addition to copy effectiveness and brand love and sim measures we're looking at you know what does our own panel tell us what does our own representative panel tell us about the work one
1: of our our other partners clorox um they challenge their ergs to develop like a new business plan or a new product or or evaluate, you know, potential, you know, partners or, or or potential acquisitions. And, you know, and they use it then and, and it validates like the existence, the financial value that these groups can provide from a business perspective. And then the CEO, um, uh, the amazing Linda Rendell, <laughs> um, she, you know, has these groups present. They have to come to the CEO and present their business plans every year. And it's like, it's fantastic. Right. And, and it, um, you know, it, it, who better, right. Than that community. And I love what you're doing, Chris, in terms of using them as a focus group, you know, to vet and make sure that, you know, the communication's appropriate.
2: And, and I will build on that with a, with a, while that is great and watch out and we've done a lot of work with ERG groups and you hear what you know they say in front of leadership, then you hear what they say behind closed doors yeah. from an equity standpoint, a lot of times that puts burden on them outside of doing their regular job with no additional compensation or with no um, resources to do it. Great so here point. I'm working a job and you say, okay ERG group, right, right, African-American employees, go off and do this and solve our problem. A great Help point. us become a better yeah. company, but, but you still gotta do your job. I'm not asking white employees to do that. I'm not asking anybody else to do that. Go off and do your thing. I'm not giving you more money. I'm giving you very little resources to do this but you're going to come up and fix our problem. We're going to celebrate that. So I'm just giving you a watch out because I've heard the feedback from a lot of black employees that, hey, they're asking me to do this in addition to my job with no resources, but I'm still not seeing promotions. I'm still not seeing raises. I'm still not seeing growth in senior management. I'm still not seeing change in board of
3: directors but you're asking me to do all these things. So yeah, that's very, time, that's right? a very fair point, Sherman. I, I, I should have added yeah. that I, I yeah. lead the culture club for the consumer healthcare team. And so the one thing that we are doing differently is we are compensating participation okay. in our panel. Yes, but I agree with you. It's, it, there's got to be you know, something in it um, to truly get the representation.
1: What's and I love that, but German. What's another way to prevent that from happening? Because that's an excellent point. What well, well, right. I think burden been, should not be placed on that. It's an
2: investment right? and asking. It's collaboration and conversation. And my whole thing is the investment. You know, if you're asking this, just like any other investment yeah. company, you know, what resources are we given? Personally, or within the group, and then timing. So if I'm doing this, does that mean I get to have? Do I still need to do my other job full time? So are you asking me to carry both loads? Because right. I also have a right. life at home. I also got other things yeah. that I need to do. Now you're adding this burden, and now I have a level of accountability that some of my counterparts don't. So I think this idea of volunteerism is great, and I'm not saying to move away from it, but ensure that it's not, it's not from the vantage point of, oh, this is great, look at what we're doing, without asking the group, hey, would you be willing to do this? What would it take for you to do this and where you feel it's equitable Yeah, that we're going to get something out of this? What would you like to get out of this? Um, So it's really about having those conversations and dialogue versus making the assumptions of, hey, we have black employees, so let's give them this problem to solve. Isn't this great? But we haven't really engaged them in the how and what it means to them.
1: We, we had a call um, just the other day with one of our other partners, Acosta, and their CEO was on the call and there were like 270 um, individuals um, and they're all members and they engage in NextUp. And, um, and he said, look, you know, we've been around 96 years, okay? I need for you to take that afternoon. I need for you to take that day. Your top priority is to develop yourself. We're not gonna go away. If you invest in yourself in that way and you can let everything else sit for that day and then come back to it later. So to your point, it's like it's that type of leadership mentality. Absolutely. I think I cut somebody off too. I'm so sorry. Someone was going to say something. Was it you, Chris or Pam? No, but
4: you did make me think of something. So last Saturday was International Female Ride Day. And that's something that happens. That's not a company thing. That's a that's an wow. industry around the world. There is, you know, there are rides for women, and historically it had been motorcycles because of the partnership with Polaris. We've expanded it across different terrains. So there's off-road riding and there's on-road riding with uh, people on two wheels, three wheels, etc. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because this is something we do with media. We do it with influencers and partners. We do it with our dealerships. But we did reach out to our women leaders in power sports and said, is this something you're interested in? And they got really excited. They actually ended up hosting off-road riding, on-road riding, and they they let it. But it was a business priority that was an opportunity for them, but not a requirement. But I think for them, feeling the community of hundreds of female riders that day showing up. And then we did the same thing, frankly, with our manufacturing locations. If you're interested, it's not a requirement, but if you'd like to and certainly yeah. our spirit lake Iowa as they actually had bad weather last weekend so they're doing it this weekend but it's not just a ride for women it's a ride for daughters and mothers and sisters and friends who are women and so i find that you know in that case it's a business priority it's an opportunity for those groups should they want to do something but not a requirement yeah. but yeah. you are seeing them step up because it makes them it does deliver for them something in in more in that case for community
1: yeah Yeah, no. And I know like, even like within our own HQ team, you know, everybody lays out their goals for the year, right? We always allow for one of those goals. So, you know, five goals, 20% of your day or time is going to be focused on leadership development. And so to your point, Sherman, it's like, take that approach, you know, as you're tapping into your diverse communities, it should be one of their goals. They should be given the time. It shouldn't have to happen on top of everything else, you know, that's going on in their lives. All right. So, Pam, are you going to surprise us all and say, I'm going to give you all a slingshot? You know, if there weren't the worst yeah. supply
4: chain in global history, I might have more vehicles. We just need some more parts so we can have some more vehicles. But, you know, I, I, I wish I could in the spirit of
1: Oprah, right? God bless her. We love Oprah. her. You get a slingshot and you
4: get a, yeah, you get a razor. We do have Polaris adventures locations there's 200 of them across the United States. Um, and then globally, um, there are, there are places where you can rent them. I do highly recommend look, summer's coming. People have yeah. kids out of school. You're looking for some kind of family adventure, you know, get a go for a couple hours on a, on a razor or a slingshot. Your, your teenager suddenly thinks your, your cool factor does go way up. And as a mom, that is hard. You no, know, And like <laughs> way cooler than a golf cart, like way cooler, <laughs> way
1: cooler right? Way. Yeah. Oh, gosh. righty. Well, gosh, thank you so much, Chris and Pam and Sherman. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and having this just phenomenal discussion. And I know everybody who listened in today, they are going to walk away with some clear actions that they should be taking. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been listening in today as well. Uh, I want to thank Voice America, as always, for giving me and next up the opportunity to share our voice and our, our North Star, our mission with all of you. And more importantly, to be able to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like these three individuals and, and allowing them to share their amazing stories. Um, we will be back next week. And in the meantime, if you want to learn more about Next Up and listen to any of our podcasts, you can always check us out at nextupisnow.org. And we have a LinkedIn page as well, Next Up Is Now. So please let me know, hey, Sarah, we think you should be covering these types of topics on your show. I'm Sarah Alter. Thank you for always listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.